Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. I mean, it's amazing that we've made it this far. I hope you guys caught our special emergency pod with Angela Rye about the announcement that we're going to talk about much more today. A Vice, Vice President uh, Biden, and it's a tongue twister because Vice President Biden chose for his vice president uh, to be none other than my good friend, uh, the senator from the great state of California, Kamala Harris. And uh, I had an opportunity to sit with Kamala Harris uh, during one of my book talks on my uh, book tour from My Vanishing Country. We were uh, having an event at Politics and Prose in Washington, D.C., virtually, of course, talking about everything uh, with my good friend Tiffany Cross as the moderator. And here, Kamala and I just discuss the future of this country and understand both that it's not what this country was or what it is, but what it can be. So here, check out us at uh, Politics and Prose uh, earlier this year, right after we went into quarantine. I wanted to, to show my love to my community, show my love to, to people of color. I want to show my love to particularly black women, my children, my father. But even more importantly, I wanted to show my love to this country that I love so much, showing its flaws and pushing it to be a more perfect union. I don't think it's anything wrong with challenging things you love to be better. And so that is that that's and, and I have a lot of friends on here who do not understand my experience and, and do not understand my trauma. But my trauma may not be theirs. But we can learn from each other's trauma and we can learn how to persevere together. I think that's the important part about writing books like this. One of the aspects of Bakari's voice that I find to be particularly important and necessary is it is the voice of a black man who is the son of the civil rights movement from the South as a contemporary man who is a national leader about the issues that are present and future, the father of young children, but who has an acute awareness and knowledge of the past and history to put in context the present and the future. It's a very special voice that he has and a perspective that should be incorporated in anyone's perspective about who our country is, both past and present, but also who it can be, in the future. And that's that's one of the reasons I'm so proud to support Bakari's book and, and his voice, because I, I absolutely believe it is a critical voice and perspective if we are to actually be our best selves as a country. Now, before I talk about what I expect over the course of the next few months and years out of a Biden administration and a Harris vice presidency with my good friend and mentor and former colleague at CNN, Donna Brazil. I think it's worth talking a bit about the process we just went through and what this means for black women and black people and how we should read this historic pick in the moment we're in. First, uh, we shouldn't view the Harris pick in isolation. You see, Vice President Biden had an agenda or has an agenda for black America. He has a racial equity plan. I provided constructive criticisms on both plans, but what I want to note that these plans go much further than any other presidential candidate in our lifetimes, including Barack Obama. And this pick, along with these agendas, will likely be led by a Vice President Harris in a substantive victory for Black voters. There is a policy agenda that accompanies this Black pick. And I'd encourage all of you all to read both the racial equity and the Black agenda plans before you talk shit on the internet. We know people love to do that, but read the plans first. And as we'll discuss with uh, Donna Brazil in my interview, in addition to the Biden black agenda and the Biden racial equity plan, 
we will have a black woman potentially leading the Biden administration's efforts around police and criminal justice reform, being the face of a real national strategy to address COVID-19, and helping to lead our economic recovery to COVID, which has hit black communities and black women the hardest. Further to this point, you should uh, view the Harris pick in tandem with the vice president's other promise, that he'll nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. I want to put a few names out there for you all to start researching and start talking about. Sherry Beasley, the chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court. Howard Law School Dean and my good friend, former administrative law teacher of mine, Danielle Holly Walker, U.S. District Court Judge Kentanji Brown-Jackson, Harvard Law Professor in Edgefield, South Carolina, native Tamiko Brown-Nagan, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Cheryl Lynn Eiffel, and California Supreme Court Associate Justice Leandra Kruger. If anyone from the Biden campaign is listening, my hope is that you'll build on the momentum of this historic VP pick by releasing a list of Supreme Court justices you'll consider that includes these names of prominent black women judges and professors and legal minds who, along with a Madam Vice President Kamala Harris and the substantive policy agenda that the Biden campaign has put forth and the portfolio that we can expect a VP Harris to lead, we will finally repay black women for the work that they tirelessly put into the democratic politics that got us thus far and moved this country forward. If this doesn't motivate black folks to vote in November, nothing will. But now let's get to my interview with uh, someone who I love, adore, and look up to, who is now a Fox News commentator, my good friend, Donna Brazil. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Donna Brazil, welcome, welcome to the Bakari Sellers Podcast. That today is a good day, and I couldn't think of anybody better to join us than you. How are you feeling uh, this morning about uh, Kamala Harris being chosen as the next Vice President of the United States of America? You know, over the past weekend, when I had an opportunity to talk to some of my best friends in the whole world, and we did a check-in on Sunday after Mass, after church, and we did a prayer, and once again, we wanted faith and guidance in what we were doing. I felt good. That night, we had a Zoom call with over 125 Black women from all across the country, all walks of life, not just politics. We had people from Silicon Valley. We had people from Hollywood. Of course, we had people from everyday existence and, and, and much more. And when we finished that call, I said, we're going to rise. Yeah. This might happen. 
we may indeed elect a black woman as vice president. And I think the consensus on the call and some of the women included friends of yours as well, <laughs> uh, the consensus was Kamala Harris. And not everyone agreed in the beginning, but toward the end of this process, and we've been at this for months. I remember when there was only six people on the call and then we grew to 10 and at 12, we're like, wow. I mean, these were 12 of the baddest sisters in American politics. Mm-hmm. And we kept at it. We requested a meeting with the vice president and he granted it. We requested Tell us about a meeting. That. Well, you know, without getting into the contents, yeah. let's, be un- let's be clear. Um, we made the case. In fact, I still have all my notes. We made the yeah. case of, you know, in terms of expanding the electoral college, securing those three states that uh, Trump uh, picked out of the blue wall in 2016. We talked about the number of nine voters who would be excited about a, a, a different kind of ticket. We also talked about the process because at least uh, several of us have been through this process of selecting a vice president. We've worked for candidates uh, who had to make this decision. But in the end, we talked about this moment. And this was before, this was after Breonna Taylor was murdered, but before George Floyd was murdered. And after George Floyd, I mean, our tone shifted. There's no question that COVID was, was a driving um, indication in, in the fact that a disproportionate number of African-Americans and Latinos were being killed by this virus. That drove us to stand up. But after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and so many others, we knew we had to, to stay at it and stay at it and stay at it. And not just convince the vice president and his team, but also many of our Democratic colleagues. I mean, yeah. some of them thought they knew more than we did. And we're like, hello. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said on one call, I'll never forget it because I did the calculation that I had, you know, I had served as a surrogate for over 42 Democratic candidates over the last three years since Hillary's uh, defeat. And I said, 42, I travel. And Bakari, I'm not on the ones, I'm not on their payroll, Fox News contributor, okay? Howard University, Georgetown University. And so I said, I have traveled on behalf of the Democratic Party my entire adult life. But in these closing moments of this campaign season, we need to find someone who can go across that Pettus Bridge. And I'll never forget the night that one of my colleagues, and you know, I'll continue to keep this, these conversations as private as possible, but she said, we can't carry two white people across the bridge. We can't carry two white people anymore. We've done that. We've done that for the last 55 years since the Voting Rights Act. We need to carry someone who looks like us and who will help us usher in a new era. So. I'm excited. I'm excited to say that I firmly believe that Kamala Harris is the real deal. Not only is she qualified uh, to serve as vice president, but I do believe that she's qualified to serve as president. She has been vetted. Yeah. Uh, she's gone undergone a lot of scrutiny. Uh, but I think she is perhaps the vice president's best chance to secure the White House in 2020. So a lot of people don't know your background. They don't know you come from the lineage of Jesse Jackson, right? They don't know that you toiled in the vineyard, but in the context of history going from that 1984 campaign, that 1988 campaign of Jesse, and y'all y'all were just stirring so much shit up in 1984 and 88, and y'all were just changing the dynamics of what the Democratic Party was, what it was going to be. 
Uh, you know, we stand on the shoulders of, of many of you all who, who came through that campaign. What is that like in the context of history to go from Barbara Jordan and Shirley Chisholm and Jesse Jackson to now Kamala Harris? Oh, and Barack Obama, not to skip him, and, and, now, and now Kamala Harris. You know, I've been a member of the Rules and Bylaws Committee since uh, 1997. Uh, I've also served as co-chair of the Rules and Bylaws Committee. Um, when I'm at the table... The, the person that comes to mind most is Fannie Lou Hamer. Mm -hmm. When we began, after the Jackson campaigns of 1984 and 1988, we began to work on those rules to enable someone like Kamala, someone like Barack, someone like Jesse Jackson to go through the process. And of course, since the Jackson 84 and 88 campaigns, we saw of uh, uh, Al Sharpton in 2004, Carol Mosley Braun in 2004, and then Barack Obama in 2008. We knew that the rules had to be changed. We knew that the rules had to reflect the growing involvement and participation of African Americans and others into the political process. And so we ensured that those rules would reflect the diversity of the party. And many of us, some of us started by knocking on doors and doing voter registration campaigns. And of course, in, in my case, I, I, I've been a campaign manager, I've been a deputy campaign manager, and I've been chair of the Democratic Party twice. I am so proud that we have come to this moment, looking back at all of those concrete changes that we've made, all of the different steps that we had to take individually and as a group. Mignon Moore, my, one of my best friends, she's mm -hmm. one of my best friends. I tell I people the only, person who, <laughs> the only person who can tell me to shut up is Mignon because Mignon knows. you don't knows. have to worry about where you stand with Mignon at all. She will tell you how she feels about you and about and, and the things you think you're doing right, whether or not you're doing them right at all. <laughs> I love her. And she, she could do it in a voice that calms my spirit because Mignon knows that I, I can, I, you know, I'm a whip, I'm a Louisiana woman, okay? I, I, can, I can throw some Tabasco on you, okay? <laughs> and Mignon had this calmness. I mean, yeah. she is, she's like Trinity. She, she knows how to, and then we have Leah. We got the preacher in our family, now the bishop. And it's now, important but, the bishop, because, but the bishop has gotten a little edge. The bishop says she's sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's what the bishop has said. <laughs> I never thought in my political life that the bishop would be the most, she was a risk take. I mean, look, her experience also in the DNC as the chair of not one, but two historic conventions, 2008 and 2016, Leah has been at the table when it mattered most. Because when you set the table, you got to have the right, uh, the right types of plates and napkins and glasses and whatever, silverware. And she does that so well. But you know who also sets the room? Yolanda Carraway. Yolanda's, Yolanda's a bad woman. Been a bad woman for a long time. <laughs> I mean, she go back to Ron Brown days after yeah. Reverend Jackson. Uh, then Ron Brown came in to run the party. And I, I have to tell you, since I'm down in my basement where all my books are, look, For Color Girls Who Consider Politics, this was our best-selling book, NAACP Image Award nine, uh, for Best Nonfiction in 2018. The reason why we wrote this book is because we want a new generation of, of, of activists to understand why it was important to carry Willie Barrow's bag, why it was important to work for Shirley Chisholm, why it was important to be involved in the Jackson campaign. This is a book of our struggles, our triumphs, and, and our troubles. We even have a chapter called The Troubles. 
I mean, we talk about when Rosa Parks was laid to rest and how we secured after we were able to get the rotunda and we secured all of the various logistical uh, objects to make it happen, how we got Condoleezza Rice involved, how we were able to get the Congress involved, how we were able to get the White House involved. And then when we got to the AME church to lay the rest, and we realized that the pallbearers that we were using came from the Capitol. And we had to go outside and say to the Metropolitan Police, hey, come here. Because otherwise, <laughs> the black girls were going to carry her in the church. And we got some, immediately we got the district police. <laughs> I mean, this is who we are. Always and you know, when, when this story is written, and I'm trying my best because I cried my eyes out until two in the morning. We were raising money all through the day and the night. We couldn't stop ourselves. We were like it. another hundred dollars. And we said the AKAs is now uh, you know, pledging this much Delta Sports can y'all call. And then we got the Howard <laughs> University alumni in there. But when this chapter is written, when this story is told, when we're able to tell a new generation how you keep the faith. And how we were able throughout this entire process, we talked to Susan Rice, we talked to Karen Bass, we talked to Stacey Abrams, we talked to Keisha Lance Bottom, and of course we talked to Kamala. We say we are not, and Kamala was the first one to say months ago when her name when her name was out there. We said, Kamala, your name is out there. She said, but don't pit me against no sister. No, don't, don't we ain't playing that. She said, I, I don't even as a supporter of her, she would not. She was adamant. She said. We are not attacking other black women in this process. We we just we won't go there. That's not us. We won't go there. And so it was. Let's talk a minute about the process, though, because you've been a part of selecting a vice president. Um, what what goes into that process? And do you think? I mean, I I believe the answer is yes. That there was an inherent unfairness in what we saw, the bitterness of people pitting, because you never saw any articles about. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer being the anti-Elizabeth Warren, right? Right. You never saw it, right. but you did. You, Karen Bass is a woman who was the former Speaker of the House in California. She rose to these levels on her own merit to, to only be deduced to the anti-Kamala Harris or the attacks against Susan. Talk, talk to me about this process, what goes into it, and then what we saw unfold. Well, there's a lot that goes into it. And after we had that first conversation with the vice president, I decided to, hey, you know, back off. I mean, we gave him his, our best advice. At that time, we were like a black woman. And of course, we talked about all of the sisters. We said, here are all of the pros and cons. I mean, the cons was that, hey, you know, they've never been vice president. We've had 48 white men. <laughs> okay. All right. But here, here are the pros. And we gave, you know, from Keisha to Val to Karen to Kamala to Susan to Stacy and some others. <laughs> we, we were like, Here's what Here they you go. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I have to tell you one other thing. I brought up at every opportunity with the vice president, with his team, with everyone, and I was willing to tell the world I was there when Geraldine Ferraro was selected. I kept saying to them, Do you want me to come down to my basement and show you all of the buttons of every woman who was under consideration? And not one black woman was mm. under consideration. So I, I made it clear that we had lived through this process, all of us. We, we were not bringing a B team to their A team. We were bringing the A plus team to their A team. We knew the process. 
as, as campaign manager, I knew the process. As the senior advisor to the Clinton campaign, Mian knew the process. We knew the process. And so we said, give us an opportunity to have one or more of these women vetted. Mm-hmm. Vetted. If there's something we need to know, tell us. But vetted. Vetted. And we said, when you finish Vetner, let us know. Because we want to be the ones, we who have struggled and worked in this party all of our lives, we want to be the ones to say, hey, girlfriend, this ain't your time. This ain't for you. <laughs> let but it come from you. Us, what bothered us is in the closing three weeks, when I look back three weeks ago, and after a certain phone call, to a certain group of people, I'm going to say nameless unless the sisters tell her and then I'll echo it. Then all of a sudden there was, and it came from the West Coast. Now, I ain't going to lie to you. It came from the West Coast, but it spread east quicker than I've ever seen a jet. And it came, and then all of a sudden they said, well, Karen Bass is under consideration. We said, oh, great. I mean, the more the better. Yeah. But it wasn't like, well, but she is going to replace Kamala. We're like, whoa, no, we don't play that. Nope, we ain't replacing. We're adding. If y'all are down to one or two candidates and you need to add another one, fine. We call that land yap in Louisiana. A little something extra. Okay? <laughs> add it, but don't subtract. Right? Yeah. And and when we found out this was a hit, we, we of course, we called Karen. We con- we communicated with Sister Kamala Harris, too. And we said, girls, do y'all know where this is coming from? They didn't know. So I picked up the phone and I called. I made more phone calls to California in the last three weeks than I made in, my, in probably the <laughs> last three years. And I started with mayors. I started with the governor's team. I started with Pelosi's team. I wanted to know where this was coming from. Because we saw this hit emerge that was Kamala's not even well-liked in California. It was the weirdest thing ever. I don't know where that started. I know, because you know. I I know you know. (laughs) I know, too, actually. I I already know where it came from. But let uh, me just say this. Let me just say this. And just for those listening, I want the haters to know Kamala knows where it came from, too. Yes. And and, and, And let me just say this. You can keep on hating. Because it ain't going nowhere. The love that I found out for for Senator Harris. Let's go there. Yeah. The love was stronger than the hate. Yeah. And one of the one of the and I'll give you one call. I'll give you a couple, but I'm gonna give you one. Yeah. I call because I'm an old school. I don't mind being called old school. I call Reverend Amos Brown. Now, when I say old school, now remember, I come out of Jesse. So I know every <laughs> black minister, practically every black minister. I'm a Catholic girl, and they all know it. They pray for me, and I love them too. That's because you, you like know, to drink I'm real old. wine. You, We don't drink grape juice. I'm I am, I'm Catholic light. I'm Episcopalian. We like real wine in my church. I don't drink that grape juice stuff. Because Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine, and I've been a Christian woman ever since I learned that story. <laughs> and I made, when I made that fall, phone call, and Reverend Amos Brown, who was there for Martin Luther King, there for Jesse, Je- he said, she belongs to my church, Donna. I said, oh, Reverend Brown, I'm so sorry. He said, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm going to find out. So we started making calls. Then I called the mayor of 
San Francisco. You know how I got to know London Bree? Tell Kamala me that. called me. Kamala called me and said to me, Donna, I said, huh? She said, the, the, the head of the board of supervisor, London Bree, is going to become the acting mayor. I said, okay. She said, but something just happened. I said, what? They just stripped her because they think she's going to run for mayor. I said, excuse me? I got on Southwest because that was all I could afford in 24 hours. And I got on Southwest and went out there and did a fundraiser for her, for for London Bree. I met her through Senator Harris who called me. Okay, this is how I know who Kamala Harris is. I know her value system. I know what she cares about. I know where she go and seeks solace when she has to be in touch with her God. And of course, I got one other one for you. Who is that? I am part of Howard University. Oh yeah, y'all can't can't tell Howard as a as a HBCU Morehouse grad. We can't tell Howard nothing right now. <laughs> you can't tell them nothing. Their president is so happy, deservingly so. Oh, let me just say this: I have been on that campus now. I am the um, endowed chair for the Gwendolyn and Colbert King lecture series, and Kamala has been a part of my lecture series. Every time that university calls her, she is there for that university. She's one of her first campaign stops. Uh-huh. And the former president of the Student Government Association works for her. She has given more young people, like Corey and others, opportunities to serve as interns on Capitol Hill, opportunities to go places where they've never been before. And because of that, that campus right now, they said she is going to drive this like a bison. I said, ooh. <laughs> you know, I, and let me just take a moment to remember Tyrone Gale, who worked for Kamala Harris. Uh, we got to pour a little bit out for Tyrone, who passed away at a very, very young age. Beautiful wife. I know he's smiling, looking down today. He loves Kamala, loves Hillary. Talk. I mean, just think about all that you have done, all that Maxine Waters has done, all that Hillary Clinton has done. And although it's not the ultimate prize, we still are chipping away at that glass ceiling. I mean, when she wins in November, what does that mean for black women? First of all, what it means for women, this is the 100th anniversary of suffrage. And the fact that Hillary put 18 million little cracks, now we get to take it off, to remove it. The glass ceiling has always been defined by the how we limit our own opportunities. Here we are, the majority of voters, the majority of engaged voters in the country. It will mean that this is our first door that will allow us to succeed. Here the United States of America, when it comes to female leadership or leadership in public office, we're almost toward the bottom. We're not in the top. And we've never seen ourselves as a society that um, applaud the leadership skills and qualities of women like we applaud the leadership skills like men. And this likability gap, uh, we have to go beyond the call. Uh, you know, I don't know if you uh, realize that uh, two weeks ago, someone said that Susan Rice was not smiling enough. And we're like, really? Oh, I, I can't remember who, I can't remember who said that, but it was, it was absurd. I mean, that's I where remember. we, that's where we. Because I called them. <laughs> I called him out. I called him out. Ed Rendell. I called oh, him Ed out. Rin- oh, Ed Rendell. I was like, can, I, first of all, and you, you don't have to comment. I, I know that we all hang out in these groups, but I, I was like Ed Rendell and Chris Dodd. Sometimes it's time for you to go home. It's okay. Well, it's okay first to, of all, they're former chairs of the Democratic Party, but so am I. I'm a former chair. 
Correct. I mean, no one asked me if I was smiling while, while Mr. Putin was hacking the DNC. Nobody asked me if I was smiling when they began to interfere in our election. No one asked me if I was smiling when they began to put false information out there that that sowed confusion. No one asked me if I was smiling. All right, we can't smile every day. We cannot smile when we're in pain. We cannot smile when our families are hurting. We cannot smile when people are suffering. No, don't ask me to smile when I'm at my job. You smile if you have to take that kind of, that, that type of tragedy every day. No, stop asking us to be who you want us to be. We're not Amen. your wives. <laughs> Amen We're your to sisters that. and we are leaders. We are leaders. Yeah. And like I said, I said on Fox, I had to say yesterday on Fox when someone, again, mentioned ambition. I'm like, what is wrong? Ambition is at the heart of public, public service. And then we asked, want- Joe Biden had ambition. Joe Biden ran for president. I mean, he had ambition. Barack Obama knew he had ambition. What's wrong with that? I mean, Al Gore had an ambition. I mean, we, we see this all the time. The only vice president I know who didn't have any ambition, that's because he was practically president, was Dick Cheney. He was the only I was one. Gonna say Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney's hard. <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't do it. He did. He wanted to. He was the president. But every vice president has that ambition. But it serves you well because you want to do right by the country. Someone asked me today uh, on another network, "What did I think of uh, the debate exchange between Kamala and Joe?" And I said, "Hmm, just goes to show you that he knows that she's tough." And and you know what? I want her in my foxhole too, because hell. If, if I'm, I'm about to engage in the biggest battle of my life at 77 years old, I want somebody like her who knows how to dig the tunnel yep. and get out the foxhole. Okay? You know, somebody asked me that, and I said, look, if you want to know if somebody can throw a punch, you need to ask the person who they punched. Joe Biden knows better than anybody if Kamala Harris can throw a punch. And so we'll, we'll see if, uh, you know, uh, Mike Pence got to get permission from his wife in order to have a meeting with another woman. So we'll see if he'll actually show up to the debate to sit there. How are the Republicans going to deal with Kamala Harris? She is, well, they, t- I, I'm just, I, I, how, how, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do it well. We all know that he just doesn't do anything but call women nasty anyway. But how, how is Trump and the Republican Party going to deal with her? Well, I've already gotten a long list of things that they're going to throw at uh, the Biden-Harris ticket. And let's let's be clear. Uh, the first uh, the first strategy is the, to, to, I guess, show some shade uh, to say that she's phony. No, she's the most authentic person I know in politics. All right. She has lived the life. Her experiences will, I think, allow her to connect with so many Americans, all right? So they're gonna talk about her her background as a prosecutor. Okay, fine. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the people that shot people that she had to put in jail. Let's talk about the drug offenders that she had to develop innovative programs to, to give them another 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 day to, to breathe. Back on track okay? program, correct. correct. I mean, she, I mean, and, and of course, they're gonna attack them as being to the far left. Uh, and before you know it, she's going to be Angela Davis, like, you know, they made <laughs> Michelle Obama. Remember what they did to Michelle Obama? I so do. let's assume that what they did to Michelle Obama, who was not even running as vice president or president, they're, they're going to do the same thing. And I'm putting my fists up because I'm ready to fight that one, too. So they're going to try to, you know, let's just say 
darken her up a little bit more, mm -hmm. to make her radical, to make mm -hmm. her unacceptable. And, and they're going to treat her the same way they treated, you know, Hillary Clinton, Carla Fiorina, Elizabeth Doe, Elizabeth Warren, and every other woman who ever ran, ran before. They're going to they're gonna say, oh, she laughed so hard. <laughs> I mean, they're going to do the funny, silly, superficial things. But at the end of the day, they have to understand they're dealing with a, a very educated, a very smart, a very yeah. wise, a very humble person at her core. I've gotten to know Kamala. I get to know a lot of people, but I have gotten to know her, her core. Her core values aligns with the values, I think, of the American people. She deeply cares about children, their future. You know, when she married her husband and he had two kids and she went over and she baked cookies. I mean, she brought cookies. That was her way of saying, hey, I want to be a part of your lives. And, you know, for me, I, I, I would have made something, too. I would, but my dish would have been a little bit more. You know. I, yeah. But well, I don't know now. I want, but you, I don't know now that, you know, Kamala can cook something now. She, and she uh -huh. used, and, and she used uh, flavor. <laughs> she got a lot of flavor. Can I tell you something? I'll tell you another too. You know, uh, before COVID, when we could still gather in each other's, quote unquote, uh, kitchens, uh, I went over to her place. The color girls went over to have a little supper with her, and I thought she was going to do a little carry out because she lives in that carry out area up in mm -hmm. DC. Yeah, where I she's know where in, she lives. Yeah. And um, I said, who, who, who? I said, who made this? She said, I did. I went in her kitchen. I said, you made this too? Oh, God. Listen, Let me tell you I, Doug, you Doug tell me all the time. He just be sitting there. He's like, he can't. I, I say, Doug, you just you just living a life up there, Dougie. You just living a life. I spoke to him this morning. They 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 are uh, they're tired, exhausted, happy, but but thrilled about about living that life and changing the country. And she can cook. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can outcook it, Donna. I just don't know. Um, can I say something? I, I, I'm on par. I'm on par. Oh, I, I, uh, but she can cook with her. She can cook. <laughs> I've eaten her food and has seconds. I've had seconds. Oh. <laughs> and here's the thing. It was so good that I had a to-go box because I had to bring it to Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes North because not many people can outdo me in this kitchen. I got I, I know how to stir the pots, okay? She <laughs> she she's a girl got it. And you know what? But her cooking style is is a blend. And her blend is so remarkable because she brings the flavor of her Jamaican roots, mm -hmm. her Indian roots but also her American character. It is. It was delicious because we had seconds. We had seconds. And you know, we did uh, drink wine. Oh, I, I know. I've, 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 I've drank wine with you before. Many people don't know this, though. Like, they, they, our stories are intertwined back before I was born. But in order to get on CNN, you know, there aren't a lot of black folk. And, of course, the black folk that are there, they ask you know, about these individuals. And so I wouldn't be on CNN if Donald Brazil didn't say, he's good. You let him in, welcome him to the family. And you taught me something very valuable because then I was able to reach back and bring Angela on. And then we were able to reach back and bring Simone on. Because one of the things you always taught us is that for black folk, there's enough space for us all. We and, and, and for a 24 seven cable, I kept thinking, boy, if we get Bakari, because I remember when I used to sit by Jamal, um, Simmons and Roland Martin and I and and I said, boy, if we bring on Jamal, I mean, we got more. If we bring on Roland, we got more because remember, we always got to be 
part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about that experience, and when I when you came on board, I knew that after 10 o'clock at night, I could just let you go. <laughs> I knew early morning, let you go. That's you right. Know, and, and it was, you know what I loved about our relationship is that I never had to, because I still watch you, and I, 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 and I have so much faith in not just your ability, but the fact that you know the history. Yeah, yeah. your mom, Cleve. <laughs> yeah. Cleve Sellers, your dad. Okay, yeah. we go back to the Jackson days. We know. And he went, <laughs> and he went back farther than me. Yeah. Nick, and, and, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. There's history there. And when you came into the world, I didn't know how you were going to turn it out. I ain't going to lie. But, baby. <laughs> well, look, let me just ask a couple more questions because I know you're busy and we still got some celebrating to do and some work to do. We're losing the only black, hopefully, we will be losing the only black female senator in uh, the United States Senate. What's your advice to, to Gavin Newsom? Cause that's the well, next that's the next little battle we got to, to to go out there. We still got we still got some unfinished business to do in California. Uh, I, I'm going to fight that battle on January twentieth, twenty twenty one. Probably before that. Probably on November fourth. Yeah, but, November fourth. <laughs> but let me just say this: um, we have a historic number of black candidates running in this political cycle. We saw a historic number in two thousand eighteen that led to Nancy Pelosi becoming speaker again. Uh, we have, uh, in 2018, I think we had like 48 black female nominees. It's over 60. And we have a black woman running for the United States Senate. Uh, we have, of course, all across the deep South, from my native Louisiana, Adrian Perkins, to Mayor Shreveport, to Reverend Warnock from Ebenezer and, and Georgia, to Jamie Harrison and yeah, your beautiful yeah. state of South Carolina. And Mike Espy. Let's not forget Mike, about them. And I don't know how I miss Mississippi going all the way to Georgia. It just tells you. <laughs> and Mississippi, yes, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, and I want to help Doug Jones. I'm going to help Doug Jones. I'm going to focus my entire effort along the, the South. And I'm hoping that we can increase the number of African-Americans, Black Americans in the United States Senate this fall, as well as the United States Congress. So my my resources and my time will be devoted to helping to lift up these candidates to do more Zoom calls, uh, to do more fundraising, uh, to do more hell raising, because we got to stir the pot. So we got to we got to get to this finish line with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And then we got to bring everyone else up, uh, all these down ballot candidates. So we need resources. We need help. And we need everybody to understand that regardless of your level of experience, you are going to be deputized this fall to be poll watchers, poll yep. workers, yep. precinct captains. Yep. And, and don't and look if Joe Biden hasn't called you, then say Donna and Bakari, we are calling you now. We need help. We need. We help. can't take Donald Trump has been running since he was elected back in 2016, and we cannot take this election for granted. Don't look at these polls every day. In fact, I ignore them. I only know them because I have to go on, you know, like you, your strategy. (laughs) But think about your mama, your daddy, your grandparents. Think about your friends. Think about everyone that you know and call them. My sister in Louisiana is calling my cousins in those battleground states. I said, girl, can you help me? She's on the phone. Every state is a battleground. Because COVID, 
COVID yep. has taught us. My mama, my mama, my mama called me. I've already, I've already gotten calls from Rowena Lodeholt, who is queen of all queens of AKAs in South Carolina. My mama called me talking about she want to work on the campaign. I got calls from alphas down in Charleston who are registering people to vote. Ever since yesterday, a switch has been turned. The, my last question to you is this, though. We have Joe Biden's black agenda. We have his equity plan. We have Kamala Harris. We have COVID-19 that has hit us. We need a nationalized plan for that. And we also know what it's done to black businesses. What does Kamala Harris's portfolio as vice president look like? I know we're focusing on, um, on from now to the election in the next three months, but a lot of people want to know what that means for us tangibly. So what does the portfolio for the first black uh, vice president of the United States look like? There's no question that we, we need an economy that works for everyone. We need to ensure that we all have access to health care. The tax on Obamacare is real. The tax on people with pre-existing condition. So I want her to keep her eye on the domestic front, but also, and, and of course, the Department of Justice, the Department of Justice. I don't even have to explain to that. You a lawyer, you can explain that better than me. <laughs> but civil rights is the heart of who we are, equal justice under the law. She will help with that portfolio, help with the portfolio. If there is a vacancy on the Supreme Court, help with that. But also help us with our standing in the world, please. Yes. Yes. There's so much. I look forward to this day. I look forward to this day, but we got to work our you-know-what off. If I give my all, I have given my all to every Democratic candidate. I gave a little something extra for Obama. I gave a little something extra for Hillary. I'm going to give a little more than I've ever given before to Joe and Kamala. I am. I'm giving not just my money. That's a, you know, I'm on a fixed income. <laughs> I'm <on a> fixed income. <laughs> Cohen has put us all on fixing. Listen, man, uh, these these speeches ain't turning up like they used to. And you know, I have to wait to go back to school and get a check. So that's good. I'm I'm ready to go back to school because guess what? I, I need my check. I'm on fixed income, <laughs> uh, and I have a pre-existing condition. I'm black. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, but I'm gonna give it my all. I'm gonna give it my all because I believe in this, and I I would be remiss if I I mean if you look in my this is my basement where I keep. I keep everything that I own in terms of my life's work, my, my political stuff. And last night I came down and I said to Miss Chisholm, we did it. That's right. Nothing more to be said. I had a great opportunity to work for Shirley Chisholm. And I told her we did it. We're here. I love you, Donna. I want to say thank you for I joining you me. Too. You're so you're so busy, but just thank you for taking 30 minutes to, to chat with us and educate us. And as you know, anything I can ever do for you, I'm always there. Well, as you know, when I got off the Rules and Bylaws Committee before, I, I had you appointed. So get Listen. ready, because you know me. I, I go off, and when I go off, I need somebody like you. So get ready. I'm there for you. I'm there for right, you. And I, you know, they our conversations over the last week about Kamala, we did it. I love you. I love you too, my friend. God bless you. you. And by the way, I want some French fries to dip in my ice cream. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're going to have to share with Stokely, but there you go. Right. I want my ice cream, baby. <laughs> All right, God I got you. you my God bless you. Bye-bye.